chaplet of divine mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God. He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood. Soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He has come for our sins and those of the whole world for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the 
sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. 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 Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. 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 Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah.
the sake of his sorrowful passion. For 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 the sake of his sorrowful passion. Holy God, holy mighty one, holy immortal one, have mercy on us and on the possible to make your cup of coffee an even greater joy? Coffee of the Cross brings you great coffee for a great cause. We roast on Mondays and ship on Wednesdays direct to you from Nicaragua. All proceeds go to fund the Mountain of Peace Shrine, inspired by St. John Paul II, where thousands of people come on pilgrimage to pray for peace and consecrate themselves to Our Lady. Coffee of the Cross is a non-profit project of the Diocese of Matagalpa, with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Fill your cup with Coffee of the Cross, knowing that you are employing families and conserving a natural treasure, the Mountain of Peace Shrine. Please visit coffeeofthecross.com for more information and to purchase your coffee today. That website again is coffeeofthecross.com. It's time now for the KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Each week at this time, we present interviews on topics pertinent to Catholics in North Texas. And now, here is this week's Interview of the Week. 
Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm Dave Palmer. Diane Xavier is running our board, and this is the interview of the week where we introduce you to people and talk about topics that are pertinent to uh, North Texas Catholics. And I always say if it's local and Catholic, it fits. I want to thank Father Michael Forge, the pastor at Mary Immaculate Parish in Farmers Branch. Uh, he is, uh, I believe, on the board of Birth Choice of Dallas, and he's, the, I believe, the spiritual director, and he sent an email out about a week ago saying that Birth Choice has a new executive director, and his name is Aaron Fowler. And uh, if you want to learn, we're going to learn about Aaron and also about uh, Birth Choice. Uh, if you go to their website, birthchoicedallas.org, uh, you can see that they serve the needs of women, men, and families in the Dallas area. All the services are provided free of charge and remain completely confidential. And I'll just leave it at that because uh, Aaron can tell us more about the mission and about himself. So uh, welcome to the studio. Good to, good to meet you and have you Absolutely. here. Thank you, Dave. All right, so tell us about yourself, a little bit about your background. I know you've got uh, a wife, Brooke. You've got three young children. You're a member of St. Rita Parish in Dallas. But beyond that, uh, look at our listeners would love to learn a little bit more about you. Tell us. Absolutely. So I have uh, three sons. Uh, very blessed to, to have sons, uh, Samuel, Benedict, and Charlie, or Charles. Um, we have uh, been, me and my wife, Brooke, have been living in Dallas, uh, for five years now. Um, we go to St. Rita's, as you mentioned, with Father Joshua, uh, who is fantastic. We, um, both are kind of Dallas natives. My mm-hmm. wife is a fifth generation Dallasite, and, uh, my parents raised me in, in Dallas, uh, at St., uh, um, Pius X Parish. Uh, down there in East Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um, we are just pretty normal people. You know, we're just doing our, uh, our Catholic thing, uh, going to, to mass and faithfully praying the rosary every night together. Um, raising our sons the best we can. They're incredibly challenging at the ages of (laughs) almost four and and two and a half years old Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, five months. Um, but we are really excited to kind of together go on this journey and uh, battle for the the life of, of uh, the unborn. Mm-hmm. Before we started, you told me a little bit about your background, and I told you it's probably a whole different interview of itself, but uh, you know, you're, I guess you'd be what we would call a revert. You kind of drifted away a little bit and then came back. Do you want to give the uh, abbreviated version of uh, just kind of where you've been? Because I think it involves a, a stop in the seminary for a while as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. So raised uh, in Dallas, went to to St. Pius uh, for all of my middle school years. Uh, we moved out to the country, and I started playing guitar and, and singing and, and ended up moving out of my parents' house. I then uh, played in a few bands, um, made some bad life decisions, and uh, my dad and, and mom praying uh, incessantly and gently encouraging me back to the faith uh, actually gave me... Uh, enough motivation and grace to spend some time thinking about what they said, uh, watching the the passion of the Christ uh, with my dad. He just made me do it. Watching that, that Mel Gibson movie. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so I went to confession uh, that year uh, right before Easter and just really had a, a touching transition, which took a few months. You know, there was a little bit of ups and downs. Yeah. Um, but then ultimately – 
feeling the just a, a, a distaste for the worldly and and seeking the sacred in in about just about everything. Yeah. So I left my job and I dedicated myself to just serving the church and whatnot, trying to find a a place I could fulfill my vocation. Mm. So I sought out a variety of religious orders and potential dioceses uh, for uh, seminary studies Mm -hmm. and ultimately landed on the Franciscans of the Immaculate, who are a great uh, international order, uh, pontifical order, um, basically founded uh, along the spirituality of St. Maximilian Kolbe. Mm -hmm. And I trained and studied uh, with them for several years I guess 2007 till almost 2013. But unfortunately, I contracted uh, Lyme disease, which uh, really hit me hard over mm. a period of years, and it went untreated. So I returned to the States to seek out um, medical help, and it was really challenging trying to uh, deal with that specific disease over a, over a number of years, as well as other discernments that came up um, with, uh, with a fantastic priest, uh, Father Wolf, that helped me kind of discern a, a potential new path for myself. Hmm. And so I, I, well, um, allowed my simple vows to expire, uh, because I was taking simple vows every year. Uh, and before my solemn vows, I allowed those to expire and, uh, moved on towards, uh, basically healing myself. I was in a pretty bad state, uh, physically. And I was challenged then to figure out living in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I was seeking uh, a job, trying to um, make friends. You know, it's a very different reality mm-hmm. from the very intense uh, uh, contemplative life, yeah. contemplative and active life of the, the Franciscan order. So through that process, I, I found a fantastic job. Um I started uh, seeing a girl after uh, probably about a year, and uh, her name was Brooke, and we <laughs> were just... Same name as your wife. Same name as my <laughs> wife. Yeah, she, she might be yeah. jealous. Of um, and, and she was fantastic, helping me walk through uh, this transition, understanding... I had all sorts of questions, understanding just normal things. I didn't know what Facebook was. I didn't know who... The Kardashians were. I didn't know any of those things. So I left the whole that world behind. That might not be such a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. But I didn't know any of those just normal things. Yeah. People were like, what? So um, she really helped me adapt and understand and become, you know, compassionate in the world with that proper balance yeah. again. And the rest is history, like they say, huh? And Wow, that's amazing. And I only cut you off because I want to get sure. to uh, the, the main topic we're talking about. But uh, that, that's uh, an amazing journey of, uh, you know, it sounds like physical and spiritual uh, unhealth, I guess you could say, if that's the right word. And then just kind of coming back, you look like the picture of health now physically. And uh, and so that, that's interesting. If you're just tuning in, Aaron Fowler is my guest, the new executive executive director of Birth Choice of Dallas, their website, birthchoicedallas.org. I only gave a little bit of information about Birth Choice. Somebody listening may be thinking, what do they do? The name kind of implies it. But uh, it's a pro-life organization and, of course, helps uh, women and men and uh, couples in uh, crisis pregnancies. But where did the the pro life drive come from? It's uh, you know a lot of people are pro life, but they're not working in pro life full time and dedicating their profession. I know you you left a job I presume you like to in order to do this, but where does that come from? That that passion for pro life. 
So one, uh, principally the love of God. So he is life and, and that's a unique, uh, absolutely unique experience to know that we are alive and be able to love him for that and be able to share and partner with him in giving life yeah. the way parents do. Um, that, that is, that is a, a sacred bond that then partners with the, the infinite power of God. So primarily, that is why I'm pro-life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I really felt called uh, to dedicate myself to the, the mission of pro-life as a full-time work um, is, is my son Charles. He uh, was a normal pregnancy until my wife started having uh, some strange complications and her intuition kicked in. She's like, mm, something's not right. So we go to the hospital and they do uh, several tests, and they're like, he is tangled with his umbilical cord. So mm. early in the first trimester, yeah. he did a swimming marathon and swam <laughs> and knotted his cord in a full knot wow. and bound it like a slinky. Yeah. So he was suffocating. Mm. And they were trying to evaluate, you know, where is this at? What's happening? We didn't know that he had bound up his cord. We were just watching all these strange yeah. Know, results on the tests. And he ultimately, uh, was saved by the doctors. Um, and it was a challenge because there was the potential option on the table for another, for another direction we could take. He may be too small. We may not be able to save him. He may come out with all sorts of brain defects or de- deformations or have learning disabilities of every kind. And we're like, absolutely, we want Every way possible to maintain and save his life. Mm-hmm. And so, so they, are you suggesting that they were putting abortion on the table? They didn't uh, use the vocabulary. I right. think they could see that that I was going to be very upset if if they kind of moved in that direction. Yeah, and so they danced around it a little bit. Um, but they would talk to my wife separately when I wasn't there, and they'd kind of grind on her a little bit more than they yeah. did with me. Um, but they ultimately were. Generally respectful, understanding, yes, we do want to save the baby, but they, of course, for whatever reason, want to give you all of the options and just tell you all of the worst things up front. Yeah. So a very stressful and very intense process to experience. We never wavered or doubted in, in the least that we were going to make every effort to uh, bring Charles into the world and love him to the best of our ability. But he uh, was amazing. We had all of these challenges and all of the potential things that could have been wrong with him. He came out perfect. Mm. He had some little growth, you know, limitations at first, but he was born at a pound and three ounces. Mm. Well, little guy. Yeah, a pound and two <laughs> ounces, my wife says. I think there's a discrepancy between our memory there. <laughs> um, he was very, very small, and it was traumatizing experiencing him where we couldn't even touch him for yeah. the longest time. Um, and... Finding that the the life of a parent is a mission in itself and it takes great sacrifice is something I want to be able to communicate and look at the great reward. Yeah. You know, we're on the radio and I wish we could show pictures, but Charlie is absolutely the most beautiful baby. Lots of smiles. He's in great health. And through all of the potential testing and everything they said that could have been wrong, nothing. He had mm. No indication of any limitation on a severe level at all. Yeah, interesting because you know we have almost the opposite is the situation. We are our, our seven-year-old son is uh, on the autism spectrum. Autism is not detectable in the womb, 
you know, and so you got to wait a couple years and, uh, and, and, and thank God it's not because so many people would probably abort autistic children, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we just are so blessed. Like you talk about Charlie. I mean, our, our little Patrick is just an amazing kid, a challenging kid, but, uh, we, we just every day I thank God for him as you do for Charlie and your other two sons as well. Um, uh, was it Benedict and what was the other? Benedict and Samuel. Samuel. Okay. Awesome. Great names. All right. This is, uh, Aaron Fowler, new executive director of Birth Choice. Uh, great, great story. And I, I just, I can imagine you telling this story to couples who come into Birth Choice or maybe men or women who are contemplating abortion. And it's, it's good. You know, Charlie is going to save lives. I mean, it, it, there's no doubt about it. You know, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's, 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 and that's, the, the power of, of beautiful stories like this. So, all right, so we haven't learned yet. How did you come about to get the job at Birth Choice? Who, who, what were the connections or how did that come about? Um, so, uh, a really good friend of mine, Andrew Gill, I was talking to him on uh, the phone and, and he said, Hey, you know, uh, Birth Choice uh, has an open position for the executive director. And I was like, Well, that's really, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his wife happens to work there. I uh, asked, you know, how do I put in an application? You know, do you think I'd be good for it? And they, he said, you should definitely put in your application. I called a few other friends uh, who I who I trust um, and re- revere their their wisdom very much. Uh, Brandon Barker, who is a DRE at St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And uh, funny, Joshua all the people Clemens. you all the people you mentioned have sat where you're sitting, mm-hmm. which is a great uh, joy for me to meet all these great men. So yeah. Anyways, go on. Joshua Clemens is another one at yeah. uh, St. Rita's. There, uh, two really awesome guys. And I asked my spiritual director, like, what do you think? And they're like, I think you should totally go for this. And so <laughs> I was like, all right. Well, I would kind of adapted my resume a little bit because it's mostly like a salesy type of experience. And then I was in the monastery. That never looks really interesting. So I, I was trying to qualify some of the virtues and, and interests in, uh, the nonprofit, you know, Catholic arena that doesn't go on a secular inter, you know, on a secular resume. Yeah. So, I applied. Uh, I, I sent it over to Valerie, who I think you know as yeah, well. Yeah, Herbert Jack, yeah. Yeah, she's the director of uh, development over there. And it basically sat there for a few weeks, and um, uh, they reached out to me, and uh, I went through the whole process. I did an initial interview. Uh, they asked for a letter, you know, why do you really want this? And then they invited me and Brooke to come to Birth Choice, and we sat there, and they asked us, a variety of questions for about three hours. Mm. And it was really intense, uh, but really awesome. And I didn't have any questions for them. Usually in an interview, yeah. uh, especially yeah. on the leadership level, you need to know yeah. um, what what this institution, their intentions, all this. But yeah. just from their questions, I could tell they had everything lined up right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit more. I know you're you're new, but uh, for people who are thinking like, you know, what's birth choice? We really haven't explained it much. Uh, just generally speaking, I don't need to you know, sure. go into the weeds. But what 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 what's the mission of birth choice? What what what's the purpose and what do they do? They uh, try to get uh, close to the abortion mills and provide free services so that women and men uh, in the crisis of an unplanned pre- pregnancy uh, can seek 
consultation for for the best solution, which is life. Mm-hmm. And they. Uh, provide a variety of services. It's too hard to number, but they have got so many partnerships and so many strong uh, ideas to solve the full spectrum of difficulties yeah. from a baby boutique with little clothes and 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 knickknacks that that people need. They're like, how am I going to go buy all the stuff I need? Well, here here here's some things to get you yeah. started. Yeah. Some consultation uh, from uh, LPC interns. To, to help kind of orient, you know, healthy thinking behaviors of like, what do I do about this baby? Will, will you love it? It's an amazing life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people um, uh, get so distraught. And this organization, uh, Birth Choice, has done a fantastic job of organizing themselves to help the individuals in crisis in the broad spectrum of all of those needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you started mid-June, so as of the time that we're doing this, uh, you haven't even started yet. And oh, no. uh, this this may be an unfair question, but do you do you have? I mean, I know you got to get in, you got to meet the people, you got to get a lay of the land. Uh, anything that you can look forward to and say, you know, I'd like to do this, or uh, what, what? What do you expect your first couple months to be like? Or do you have anything that you're you're looking forward to, or are you just going to kind of get in and and uh, get a lay of the land, or what? What are your expectations? Um, expectations, uh, really are for myself to learn and adapt to their culture. So I, I have my own, uh, excuse me, Catholic culture and identity that, that I align with very closely. And I think people are also very uh, interested in, but, but adapting, um, to the birth choice culture, which is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. I was very amazed by the board's, um, culture and the, the community there as well as the employees. So I want to learn and and become uh, as much like them and then helping them uh, with my own personal strengths and virtues uh, and work together in that way. So it's hard to say, but because I think one of the, the, the first um, difficulties is, is coming into a position uh, at, at a leadership level and saying, I want to make some changes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, I, I would be hard to brainstorm yeah. what those changes would be. They've yeah. got so many fantastic things uh, that they are already doing. I want to learn, and if there's something I can build upon, yeah. I am absolutely going to work for that. And I think one of those things is going to be continuing to unite the the Christian and Catholic community and align them against the the culture of death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned how uh, the birth, you're in the location of an abortion mill. Uh, that There is on that very same corner where Birth Choice is in Dallas, is a Royal and Greenville, there is a big abortion mill, isn't there? In the same parking lot. Yeah, yeah, right there. And that, that gives you a very unique opportunity to talk to, to women and men and families or what have you, couples that are abortion-minded. So uh, I, I just ask, uh, I don't know if it's too early to ask how people can help you. Obviously, you need funds. You're maybe going to need volunteers. Maybe that'll be a conversation we have in a couple months when you get the lay of the land. I don't know if you know yet, but of course, people can go to the website and learn more about birth choice. Uh, birthchoicedallas.org. I've been speaking to Aaron Fowler, the new executive director of Birth Choice. And uh, just in closing, is there anything else that you'd like to communicate to our listeners or um, before we uh, end the interview? Um, pray for me to you know, be a part of this community and this organization that I can continue to faithfully uh, correspond to grace that God offers because this is a 
uh, a very important mission, and it is exactly that mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's amazing. I mean, to think that uh, through God's grace, you know, you you can be an instrument of literally saving lives. I mean, that that's. That's powerful, and uh, I can tell you, you got a great heart for it. You've got a great personal story, and uh, and I, I just wish you well. And I ask everybody to please pray for Aaron and uh, Brooke and their children, uh, and also all the staff, Valerie, and all the others over there at Birth Choice. I've had an opportunity to do many interviews uh, for many years about Birth Choice, and there's a whole lot else going on. I know they've done purity uh, classes, and they've done marriage, and I don't know how much of that's still going on, or maybe new things will be added on. Uh, but you can learn all about them at that website, birthchoicedallas.org. Aaron, thank you so much for coming in. Again, I want to thank uh, Father Michael Forge for uh, suggesting, or at least uh, working out the arrangements for this interview. And uh, I want more ideas. I always say it makes my job easier if I get emails saying, hey, how about you interview this person? And then I don't have to go searching for interviews. Uh, so email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. And uh, I'd love to learn more about uh, what you or somebody you know is doing to build up the body of Christ here in North Texas. Thanks, as always, to Diane Xavier, our wonderful production manager, for running the board for this program. And I hope you have a wonderful uh, remainder of your weekend. God bless you, and thank you for listening. Youth for Life is excited to announce that the 18-year tradition of Pro-Life Boot Camp will continue this year. The Pro-Life Boot Camp is an amazing opportunity for young people to get involved in the pro-life movement. Some of the activities include praying at abortion facilities, presentations and testimonies from dynamic speakers, mass, and other sacraments. The camp will take place from Wednesday, July 15th to Saturday, July 18th at the Knights of Columbus Spring Lake Event Center in Farmers Branch. Space is limited to 50 campers. For more information, visit ProLifeDallas.org. Hi, this is Dave Palmer welcoming our new sponsor, Homeschool Connections, an online curriculum provider where students meet with instructors online with other students for live, interactive classes. Instructors include Tim Staples for apologetics, John Martinoni for scripture, Joseph Pierce for literature, and I teach a class called An Introduction to the Summa Theologia. Your high school student can learn Christian philosophy according to the angelic doctor, St. Thomas Aquinas. Homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. My name is Dave Palmer, host of this program. Diane Xavier is uh, running the board, producing it. And my guest today is a friend who I have known for many years, along with her late husband. Uh, her name is Laura Weston. She's a parishioner at St. Monica, although she does spend some time at Mary Immaculate Parish in Farmer's Branch. And this interview is going to focus not so much on Laura, but uh, her husband, her late husband, Deacon Michael Weston, who uh, passed away suddenly last year, 2019, on October 25th at the age of 69. And Deacon Weston has an amazing story, and we're going to be focusing on uh, a work that Laura is doing, a website where Deacon Weston's Sermons can be heard. It's called EverydaySermons.com. I have been blessed by it already. In the ones that I've listened to, I'll give you a little testimony about my experience. Uh, EverydaySermons.com is the website exploring the beauty and truths of living a Catholic life. So we welcome Laura Weston, the widow of Deacon Mike and Weston, Michael Weston. How you doing, Laura? Good to have you on the program. Well, 
Thank you for asking me. It's a privilege to be here. I've all, as you, as you said, we've known each other for a long time, and and uh, so I am so pleased that you let me say something about my husband's sermons. Yeah, you know, I called you kind of unexpectedly uh, a week ago or so, and I I was not aware at the time that I called you that Deacon Weston had uh, passed away, and you and I, of course, had a conversation for a number uh, for a while on the phone, and I finally said, we've got to do an interview about this. It's so fascinating. So let. Let me get straight to it. Before we get to the website, uh, let's talk a little bit about Deacon Michael Weston. Uh, he's got an amazing story. Uh, first of all, and we'll just kind of go through some of these different parts kind of quickly so we can get to the website and the sermons. Uh, difficult childhood. Uh, it wasn't easy for him as a child, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, his, uh, you know, they kind of were culturally Christian. But when he was really quite young, his mother decided that it was that they would not any longer attend church, and so he grew up without really any um, any anything to pull from as far as scriptures or Christian teaching because that just wasn't a part of of their family. It wasn't something that they did, and and his father, uh, his mother was had back trouble and was heart trouble. Very, very sick, and every time a crisis came along, his father would disappear. So he was the one that would um, take care of her and feed the family. Uh, she was bedridden because of her back, so he would carry her to the bathroom, and you know, and everything that you need to do for someone who is bedridden, he did. And this was, you know, uh, up until he left for college, that was his his job. Uh, from the time he was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, his father would just disappear. And then uh, when he thought things were better, he would show up again. So he never it completely abandoned his mother. But, in, but he wasn't one to be there during times of trouble. Yeah, and I, it says on the website that uh, when the father was there, he could be cruel and uh, Michael, at this uh, young age, had to often defend his mother and sisters from his own father, and no child should have to be put in that position. So that kind of sets the stage for uh, the rest of Deacon Michael Weston's life. Uh, he, he then goes off to Texas and at Rice University marries some young lady who he falls in love with named Laura Garcia. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes, he 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 was love at first sight for him. Although um, I'm the one that introduced myself to him, but um, to tell you the truth, he was younger than I was, and I wanted a family. I mm-hmm. wanted to come right out of college and have a family, and I thought, you know, it's just going to delay it. He's younger than me, and. He plans to be a lawyer, and it's just going to delay things. So, and I didn't want that. Um, but we got married anyway. He was pretty insistent. Yeah, and you know, people think uh, he's a deacon. He probably was just this card-carrying, faithful, loyal Catholic his entire life. And another part of the website, uh, every everydaysermons.com, says that uh, you know, for the first gosh, thirty-six, thirty-seven years of his life, he would deacon uh, the, the the future deacon Michael Weston would was a, uh, an outspoken anti-Catholic snob. 
And he used to describe himself as, quote, rude, crude, and socially unacceptable. And I asked you this on the phone. I was like, wow, and you married this man. <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I must have loved him, I guess. No, he was. But the, really, at the, at the end of the day, our values were the same. Even in college, he loved children. There's, there was a yearbook picture of him with our niece because we would just go get her and pick her and pick her up and and have spend the afternoon with her and take her to the park and he just loved children and he his family was absolutely against divorce absolutely and that mm-hmm. was something that was important to me also um yes yes he liked being rude and crude and socially unacceptable but but he was always always loving and you two had a song that meant a lot to you. I think it was Simon and Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Water, that became kind of the, the theme song of your relationship and your marriage in the early days. Uh, what was the significance of this song? Well, um, it's interesting because he had been that for his family. I think, you know, I didn't realize that was in his background until so really the extent of it until he died. Uh, but that's what he had been for his family, and he was always very compassionate. And that, that meant a lot to both of us. And even from the beginning of our marriage, we were helping people in trouble. And it's something that we continued. And for me, uh, that, that turned into the pro-life movement, uh, being in front of abortion clinics to try to help people who were considering abortion who uh, and try to save their babies' lives and just try to save their lives and souls as well. And so that so in that, gosh, from my twenties into my fifties, uh, I did that. And he did many things along that same line, many of which I didn't find out until his funeral. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that is the way that we find out about people is uh, people tell us that they don't tell us about them until they've passed on. Uh, we're talking about Deacon Michael Weston, who passed uh, uh, away on October 25th of last year. And uh, Laura Weston uh, is his wife, and she uh, joins us to talk about a website that she has set up called EverydaySermons.com. And we're going to get to the um, where and when these sermons were uh, recorded in just a moment. I want to ask you one more question about him, because... Uh, we talked about him being a rude, crude, socially unacceptable, outspoken, anti-Catholic snob. Doesn't seem like the material for a deacon, but everything changed when he was about 37 years old. And you you say on the website he experienced almost like a St. Paul on the road to Damascus type of conversion. What do you want our listeners to know about this? Well, um, his parents had been babysitting his sister's kids so that his sister and her husband could go on vacation. And I, we never wanted that. We loved kids. We loved taking them with us. They insisted. We went off to Cancun. I still insisted on going to daily mass. I went to sleep one night, and he woke me up at 2 o'clock and said, I want to go to the beach. I did not take that well. <laughs> <laughs> what wife would? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to rest, and we're going to rest. So the next morning, he, I taps on my shoulder and says, uh, Laura, Laura, and I'm like, I guess I wasn't rude enough. I could go on, but at the end of the day, I finally turned to him and not very politely said, well, he told me I want to become a Catholic. Well, I thought, that is bottom of the barrel. Uh. So I said, why? And he said, I don't know. It must be God's grace. Mm. And that was it. 
I thought, if he can say that phrase, which was certainly not in his vocabulary, it yeah. really must be God's grace. Right. And he was absolutely convinced, devoted, adamant about the Catholic faith from that moment on. There was no swerving or questioning. He was a Catholic. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And then the fruits start pouring forth from there on in, and this is where eventually, of course, he becomes a deacon in the Catholic Church. And I want to zip forward to uh, the, 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 of course, he, he served at both St. Monica Parish and Mary Immaculate Church in Farmer's Branch, but there's a really beautiful story about a group of people called the 630 Crazies that I got, you got to explain this, uh, which really covered about a 10-year period in Deacon Michael Weston's life. Who were the ten, the six thirty crazies, and how did that? Uh, how, what what what? Did, how does that fit into his story? Well, um, the six thirty crazies started because at one time they had a six thirty mass at Mary Immaculate, um, and they and they came. I mean, it was six thirty in the morning, and, and they would come, rain or shine. They were very devoted, but it became impossible for them to continue that. So they asked Michael to have a communion service which he proceeded to do, as you said, uh, for 10 years. And and they are Mary Immaculate and St. Monica as well, but Mary Immaculate is full of wonderful people. And these people, he formed them and formed him into a loving group of people who looked after each other, who who checked in if, if someone wasn't there, who took care of uh of each other. At one point, one of them, they brought the, their mother, his mother, in for surgery from Africa, and they paid for her surgery. They were always loving and taking care of each other. Like I said, he not only in his sermon formed them, as one should in a sermon, but they formed him, the love they had mm. for each other. I love that it says that he would uh, suggest and recommend to those who came to the 630 service that they not pray for, quote, a special intention. He wanted to encourage them to say out loud what their intentions were because he wanted the community to be praying specifically for the needs of each other. That that was pretty significant, wasn't it? It really was. I think I think. Again, that's what started forming them into a better group, although they were wonderful people. But it's, it's so easy to hide behind saying a special intention because you don't want to show the world how wounded you are. It, and it hurts to say it out loud. And yet, and you give people a chance helping you. And that's something he made a point of saying and emphasizing. You need for me to let. You need to let me help you. Mm. Yeah, and that comes out in one of these uh, homilies that we're going to talk about here in, in a moment as well. The website is called EverydaySermons.com. Laura Weston joining me, talking about her late husband, Deacon Michael Weston, from St. Monica and Mary Immaculate Parishes. And so he would give these uh, sermons during the communion service, 6.30 a.m. for 10 years. He did them without notes. They were very personal, and uh, since there were no notes, you know, there were no records of them, and most of them, you know, just kind of went out, and uh, unless people just remember them, they're not there. But how did it come about that 
there are some recordings now of, of some of these sermons from his time there with the crazies. Well, ma- many times people wanted to have copies of his sermons, which was, of course, impossible. And, and they kind of pestered him about, about starting to write them down. But um, if you listen to his Sunday sermons and stayed for the many masses he did, they would change even then according to his audience. So that, that was impossible. But eventually they convinced him to record the sermons. Um, and, and so for the last thing in, in uh, 2018, to 29. I have some, not all, but many, many of his sermons during that period, and he covers a wide range of topics because it was everyday life. He was talking about his everyday life and their everyday life uh, from a background of someone who had once rejected religion, from a background of a father and a grandfather, from a background of someone who looks at life asking how do I love God and love neighbor in what I am doing right now? And the you talk about the the, the topics, and the, there is a, a wide range. Uh, you know, I, I I went on online to the website everydaysermons.com, and just the mo- the most five recent ones. Uh, uh, the law, as of the time that this is being recorded, the laws of love transform the narrow gate to salvation. Wives, be subordinate to your husbands. Say what? Uh, behave like God. Let someone love you. Uh, love like a fanatic. I love that. I haven't, I haven't watched that one yet. Uh, everyday love like a saint. And so, um, I, I will tell you, you know, my own testimony. I, I listened to the wives be subordinate to your husband say what one when, um, I, I was actually going through a little rough patch with my wife and, uh, and I, I, I was guilty of not respecting her like I should. And I listened to his words, and I also am aware of what it says on the website about how much he loved you and uh, told you that and expressed it every single day. And it really struck me that, you know, the, the, the husband's responsibility is to love his wife, is to lay and be willing to lay down his life for his wife. And it had an immediate impact on me uh, hearing his words of me saying, you know what, I, I've got to change. Uh, the let someone Thank love you, you is... You know, about how we often are reluctant to accept anybody's um, gift to us and how he, Deacon Weston points out that really we're, 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 we're doing nobody a favor by not allowing somebody to do us a favor and to love us because it allows them to practice virtue and to, 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 to grow in their own holiness. And so why would we cut that off and just not allow them to? Uh, and so that one again, uh, is something that impacted me a lot. And is there anything else, any others that you want to highlight? I know you probably know a lot of these by like the back of your hand now, Laura, cause you've, you've been <laughs> posting them. What, what other ones really strike you that you would maybe recommend our listeners go to? Um, you know, he, he, he tackles, uh, things that were, uh, that were, being addressed at the time. He, he has a sermon that really talks about clergy abuse and how the clericalism that he was warned about information really came to floor because of the clergy abuse issue. It came to, and, and, um, they're one that's behaved like God. Uh, you would not remember it that way, but that is actually a quote from the Bible, behave like God as his beloved children. Mm. 
So, so it, it, he's, he was always very, very careful he, about, um, like, for and, and he was, uh, he was a smart man. You know, he was a lawyer. He was powerful. He, he was many times, in fact, the smartest guy in the room. Um, and his service at Parkland had made him be the humblest guy in the room because the, the, uh, the sick people, were the people that had to be most important. So he talks about that. Um, he he talks about some of the things in his formation, like the Luke's Gospel, the story of salvation through Gentile eyes. Um, I'm trying to go through them right now to see the sermons, but but it, he really covers so many things that, in a way that is very very practical, mm-hmm. very very. How do I live the truths of my faith? How do I show that every day in every moment of mm. my life? And it's not hard. <laughs> but you know what? For me, it's a consolation because it helps me when I get all self-centered and sad because he's gone. It helps me get out of that. It helps me say, look, I need to see to the needs of others. I need to not be concentrating on myself. And this is my husband. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, that, I can't. I was going to ask you about that, and you kind of led me right into the question. You know, some people <laughs> some people love listening to you know Father John Ricardo or Father Mitch or you know that we all have our our favorite you know speakers. And uh, for you having gosh you know less than gosh only six months since you lost uh, your husband to be able to soak up his words and you know some of these perhaps you're you're hearing for the first time because I know you weren't uh, always among the six thirty crazies and. That must be therapeutic for you as a widow right now to be able to to listen to your late husband and grow and learn and maybe even to develop a closer relation to him uh, on the other side of the grave. Uh, it, is, is, is that has it been therapeutic for you in in, in your own uh, bereavement? Oh, absolutely. Uh, at first, I couldn't do it. It was very hard hearing his voice, uh, but he, they are such an outpouring of his heart. And such, and it, and yes, yes, I've become closer to him from listening to it. I've become a better person. Um, and things have happened, you know, that, uh, and he has, uh, God has sent me consolations, I believe, through him. For example, um, I was feeling down, of course, the day before Easter, uh, during Easter Day, but particularly that Saturday, and I get a call from one of the ladies, Betty, who's referred to in his son who would come with her Catholic husband, but would always say, oh, no, I can't be a Catholic. My family's Baptist and Methodist, and I just can't do that. And she gave me a call to let me know that because of my kindness, and I couldn't believe she said me, because that's so not true, um, she has decided to join the Catholic Church. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so what a what a time for God to send me that collection. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. And that is, man, this, that's just within the last week or so. And so, um, so tell us, uh, um, what other feedback have you gotten? I know this is, and I, and I want to say also, I commend you because the, the website is really, uh, a visually attractive. It, it does not look like an amateur put it together. In fact, I would have guessed that you're hiring a, a webmaster with uh, tons and years of experience in putting this together. <laughs> it's really, really uh, an attractive site, and I encourage everybody to visit it. Uh, you'll read about Deacon uh, Michael Weston's life, and you'll also, more importantly, be able to click on 
any one of these um, dozens of homilies, everydaysermons.com, everydaysermons.com. Any other feedback or maybe I know you've got children. Uh, what, what else are people saying or how have they been touched by uh, the, these sermons? Well, um, in, different, in different ways, you know. Um, he has touched things that are in people's everyday lives, brought into, I have had feedback about how you finally put into the words the way I feel in this situation or in that situation, and, and you reaffirmed my belief that God is in everything. Or, or um, And even, even established, oh, I never thought of it in that way. And now, whenever this happens, I'm going to think about God. Yeah. I'm going to think about what you said and bring God into my life at that moment. So I have had feedback. I haven't had a lot of visitors. Um, and as far as my being a webmaster, I did IT, and I can put something together pretty. But one thing I cannot do is make people come to my website. And I have to say, it will not come on a Google search. Hmm. You have to put in www. Everyday Sermons, that's plural, ends in an S, everydaysermons.com. It's really, at this point, the only way you can get to the website. Yeah, and I hope I, uh, because of this interview, uh, you know, dozens if not hundreds of more people will go and visit that site and, and keep going back because uh, there's a lot up there. And even if you listen to one a day, or, you know, you can do some binge listening and do several of them in one day. But I do encourage you. only... They're only about eight minutes. It's not, you know, I, many people have sent me videos, and I'm there half an hour, you know. Yeah. These quick, these quick sermons, he comes to his point, he has what he has to say, and it doesn't require a great commitment of time to listen to one of his sermons, and I'm adding to them every few days. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. All right, Laura, thanks so much. Um, I, I want to come back to you in a second. If there's anything else that you want to say about this website, I want you to share it then. I thank you for doing this. I encourage everybody to visit everydaysermons.com, everydaysermons.com. Uh, they are, as it implies, the sermons that were done every day to the 6.30 a.m. crazies over at Mary Immaculate Church in Farmer's Branch over a period of time. Uh, exploring the beauty and truths of living a Catholic life, uh, a deeper look at everyday questions and answers for life as a Catholic, and uh, they are—they're awesome. So, Laura, anything else before we let you go? No, I just uh, like I said, I, I encourage you to go. I, you know, he talks about Islam, he talks about nine eleven and times of crisis, which might be a good thing to listen to right now. Um, so many things, I can't even remember them all. And he says of himself, he does one on St. Augustine and says of, of himself, he says, there are great minds in the church. I am not one of them. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's that humility, which is interesting, ironic, because you said he normally uh, was the smartest guy in the room, but he apparently didn't take pride in that, or maybe wasn't even aware of the fact that that was the case. So it uh, sounds like a, a great man. Uh, may God rest his soul, and I think you'd agree, even though uh, he uh, was well prepared for death and lived a, a holy life. 
um, post conversion, uh, we, um, we ask everybody to pray for him. We, we pray for the dead and we pray for the, the soul of Deacon Michael Weston and also in thanksgiving for Laura for all that she's done and her labor of love with this website, everydaysermons.com, www.everydaysermons.com. Laura, great talking with you. Thank you for what you're doing and I hope, uh, many people will visit the site and be blessed uh, as you've been blessed by Deacon Michael Weston's life. Thank you, thank you so much, Dave, for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. It, it really, it really helps. Thank you. Oh, certainly. Thank you. And thanks also to Diane Xavier running the board, producing this program. And uh, thank you for everybody. Now, like I said, I kind of reached out to uh, Laura and uh, this came about in our conversation. But a lot of people email me and say, hey, I got an idea for an interview. And I appreciate that so much because it makes my job easier to know what's going on and what people should know about. So email me if you have an idea for future interviews. My email is Palmer at grnonline.com. Dot com. Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. This has been the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.